Today we're talking about what to watch and read while you're shut in for a bit. podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Todd A. And I'm Taylor Trask. And oh my God, it's Todd A. We've, it's been voice. a while since we've done this. So yeah. Uh, oh man, it's just, it, it's like as if this year couldn't have gotten crazier enough. Um, yeah, I've just been, I've had the worst scheduling time forever. And now we are in the midst of a, a lockdown. Um, you know, I'm already a mostly shut in remote worker. So <laughs> for those of you listening in the future, I hope it's better there. We're, we're recording this uh, March 15th in 2020. So right in the middle of uh, COVID-19 and all of, all of that. So hopefully, hopefully you're listening to this in better times, but if not, Hey, we're with you too. We're, yeah, we're suffering through it. Like we all are. And it's, it's been great um, with you sort of being uh, out of the loop for a little while. I was able to do some, uh, fireside chat episodes, which have either come out or will be coming out. Um, yeah. we've got a lot of stuff in the can and, uh, and I, I can't wait to share that. So that's, that's been fun to kind of take that, that road while you've been, uh, you've been delayed. Well, and it's been fun to be, uh, uh, almost said spectator, but I guess just a listener to those an audience member. Um, so it's been, it's thank you for taking the wheel. It's been very cool to, to just tune in as a fan. Yeah. Well, um, it's fun. I mean, I've been talking about getting people on this you know, other, other creators and stuff on this show for a while. So it's nice that it's finally, finally. Yeah. Ended. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, I, 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 we just talked about our schedule, so I don't know where this episode lands in our schedule, but, um, either, uh, you have just published or will just publish this episode talking to the creators of, um, this indie book. And it, I'm just so like, like stoked to hear this conversation. So yeah. It's interesting. I have I just, not heard it yet. I just talked with the two guys who made a wonderful graphic novel called Obscura, and we'll be uh, featuring that in an upcoming episode for sure. So yeah, it's that was our first uh, international episode. Uh, Luke, the writer, was in Australia, and, and Wukash was in Poland. So we had to do a, a little a little wrangling of the time zones. I got to comfortably sit here at 2 p.m. in, yeah. in Colorado. <laughs> so I felt bad for them. I was like, man, you guys are, are troopers doing this. But it was fun. Yeah, well, I mean, on on a slightly serious note, but uh, but in a you know in a positive uh, uh, spirit, um, we talked about if we are you know we're we're keeping some social distancing uh, practices going. What are we? What's our playlist look like? You know, like it's time to knock out that TBR pile or that yes. uh, to be watched queue. Um, and I just sort of raised that to you over text and you and I quickly put together a, a bunch of recommendations and thought, Hey, let's just talk about that on a podcast. That's, you know, that's a good way to kind of get back into the swing of things. And it, and it's also, uh, it'll, this will be an episode you can listen to anytime because these are, I'm sure going to be, um, evergreen picks in that sense. And, uh, I would yeah. say if you're, if you're in the future and you're sick at home with anything, it doesn't matter if it's COVID exactly. or, or whatever, this is probably still a, a great time or if you know, society has collapsed. Hey, <laughs> we're glad you're still here listening. 
It'll be good. But yeah, you um when we talked beforehand too, I actually have my list is is actually pure play comics and, and stuff. You've yeah. got some other stuff. So let's maybe how about one from you, one from me? Well, I, uh, great. And I, I hope you and I have not texted about this. So nope. my first pick, I don't know if you have watched or if it's on your radar or anything. So this is like this is back from the the old the old uh, coffee and comics dates where I just shock you with a pick, you know, or vice versa. Um devs on fx and hulu are you watching this show not at all i've heard about it very okay. very lightly so my knowledge of it is not even oh my gosh i mean i don't even know who's in it uh uh nick offerman what um uh, yeah and uh in a role that you've never seen him in before um you just sold the show to me holy crap i can't <laughs> Remember the actor's name. I am so sorry. I literally looked it up for this and I'm scrolling through Hulu quickly trying to find it. But she was the drummer in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, She's another star. And then a couple people that you are very unfamiliar with. Nick Offerman is clearly like the, you know, lead dude. Not Sonoya um, Mazuno, is it? I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry right no. now. She's Lily Chan. No. Okay. Um, it's like Allison Kaylee or something like that. Be, maybe Allison Pill. There it is. It's Allison Pill. That's who it is. Yeah, there she um, is this year. Uh, but those, I mean, Nick is like the star of it. There's a couple of character actors that you'll recognize from other things, but lar- like largely the protagonists of it are not names that you you recognize. Okay. Um, it is, and it's Alex Garland. So ah. it is. Written and a couple of the episodes directed by the creator of Ex Machina and the director of Annihilation. So you and I were already sort of like conscripted into the fandom <laughs> of the show. You know, yeah, yeah. I how started did you, watching. How did you find it? How did you? It just you know it was a Hulu recommendation because okay. they were doing a big push this month um, to to you know talk about how all the FX shows are on Hulu um, and it's an FX show. What I did not understand going into it. Um, and it's just bad user error. I looked at it. There's four episodes listed and I was like, Oh cool. They just tell the story in four episodes. I'm jumping right in. I'm two hours, you know, finished the second episode and I'm like, Holy crap. <laughs> and then I hit episode three and it's like coming next week because they are publishing on the like broadcast schedule. They just have okay. previews for episode three and four. But by now, by the time we're recording three is out four is like around the corner. Um, and I'm not totally sure if it wraps up in four I can see how it might, um, but I can also see how they go, you know, six to ten episodes total. Who knows? It could. I, it, I, I can't imagine it the, it's like a long, long series. Um, does it have the feel of a miniseries at least? Is that why you're sort of leaning yeah. that way? Okay. It does. Um, it, it definitely feels like an Alex Garland movie where they, they've gotten the chance to tell um, a couple of like more in-depth stories about people. Like if you had an ex machina where you learned a little bit more about Domhnall Gleeson's character mm. um, and you know, because they, they do a great, he does a great job in ex machina of like getting you into the plot and like why, you know, Domhnall is like put in this remote location with a, um, a crazy Jedi guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, uh, but this is like, okay, you're getting the backstories of these people. And it's like, mm. it's really lets him work with the pacing and stuff and sort of draw out some of the mysterious elements. Um, in a nutshell, it's about a software company, sort of, you know, imagine any faceless co- software company, you know, Google, Facebook, something like that. That's huge. And, uh, you know, omnipresent. Um, and Nick Offerman is the head of that. And he has a very, 
uh, secretive team called Devs that is working on some special quantum computing project. Is uh, it like a Skunk Works or is it a? Yeah. Okay. But there, but it's not. It, unfortunately, it's not like it's like a Skunk Works in the fact that like nobody within the normal side of the company knows what devs is working on, but they all know it exists. Mm. So it's not like a secret. Um, it, you know, it has a big enough footprint that people are aware of its existence. It's just no one actually knows what the project is they're working on. And Nick, uh, wait, and Nick Offerman is the CEO of this whole thing. Yeah. Wow. In this oh, like dirty long hair, like Pacific Northwest kind of, you know, flannel shirts and dirty <laughs> jeans. And he, he still lives in like a, a little old bungalow house. Like there's a, you know, there's a scene where a security guard is like, hey, you've got more money than, you know, <laughs> anyone. And you still live like in the dirt um, because he's so focused on his mission, you know, got it. Uh, that's, Man, you've just sold the show to me in a big bad way. Between that and Alex Garland, like I'm in. Yeah, and it so it follows a mystery and um, like a death, and it, it's you know it's creepy in Alex Garland ways, and it's like you know it's I don't know it's just it's like creepy and mysterious and like got some really good character study and um, yeah I'm like get into it you know we can pick it apart later but yeah there's no need to do that in this episode. No, but I just I I love head. this. I love this. This is this is it that was moment. so unexpected, you know. <laughs> well, I love this because this is that moment. We actually get to document it in real time. This is the moment when I discover something that could very well be my new favorite thing, which is like, oh my god, like just sort of the pure anticipation of like, you know, knowing just enough about it to want to see it, but be like, I don't know, this could be anything. Like this could be, I could yeah. come back in a week and be like, oh my god, you know, I, right now is that sort of like the the hushed pause before the first date. You know, it's just that excitement yeah. is, is palpable. I love it. I, I, it seems like I like when I watched the trailer, I was like, I, I still thought like, oh, okay, you know, like that literally told me nothing about the show. You know, yeah. they had wrapped the trailer in this such a mysterious way that you just you're like, well, I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, well. but then I was, you know, instantly like hooked into it. So I never yeah, what about gleaned you? <laughs> any of that from the, the trailer. Well, I've got four, um, four comics or graphic novels that I think I, when we, you texted me about, Hey, let's do a coronavirus playlist. I was like, okay, but I wanted to get books that I was both interested in rereading or think that people should read, but also that sort of thematically have to do with the time in which we're living. Um, you know, could, could comment on sort of, uh, you know, pandemics or, you know, societal unrest or just, you know, or just make you feel better. So I, I really leaned into kind of choices that I think would flesh out, you know, that would just be really appropriate to read during this time. Um, and the first of which is a little series that I've talked about before called Arcadia. It was uh, a limited series, I think of uh, seven issues total. I'll give you the back of the book pitch for it. When 99% of humankind is wiped out by a pandemic. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Four billion people are saved by being digitized at the brink of their death and uploaded into Arcadia, a utopian simulation in the cloud. But when Arcadia begins to rapidly deplete the energy resources upon which the handful of survivals in the real world, a.k.a. the meat, they call the real people the meat, uh, which they depend, how long will the meat be able to or willing to help Arcadia? Um, and this is the first, uh, oh yeah, there's, there's that, there are some really cool covers I posted on Instagram about a year ago that are just gorgeous and they all sort of connect together into one giant art piece. Um, but yeah, it's, it is an incredible series. It's, so you have people, you know, there's a pandemic, they scan everybody, they put them on the server and there's like a handful of people left in the real world to manage that giant server, but power's running out. And it's like, do we choose to say, you know, to preserve the Arcadian people or do we, choose to preserve real humanity and it gets really interesting i just i think both in terms of 
the timeliness of it, but also like this could be 20 years from now, very realistically, like this could, if they figure out how to digitize a brain, I mean, I could see this as a real actual sort of thing. So it's, it's good to kind of surrender yourself to the story and imagine like, how would you feel about this? If you were scanned, if you weren't scanned, it's just, it's just good and, and interesting and, and does all the things that comics does well now, with a story like this. Is it a completed series? It is, you know, they could, if they ever, if they ever really wanted to do a, a follow-up they could but this is a, a very a, you know limited series it's done okay. it, and it's and i think it was it was meant to be that it wasn't like it was canceled prematurely it um right very much uh is a completed piece and it's from boom studios okay so and uh <laughs> i have two two questions like uh i'm fascinated by the idea of reading a story about a pandemic while in the midst of a pandemic. I know, <laughs> you, right? <laughs> you don't feel any anxiety from that? Does it give you a positive feeling? I feel better because you're basically you're abstracting yourself from the real world and like and like you know it's just that's their problem. That's not really like it you can kind of you can Ooh. kind of escape this world. Strange as it sounds, you can kind of escape this world and like read about a real pandemic that killed the you know half the population if not more. But just the problem solving and just like you know even in right. the future with technology at a higher level and all this stuff like there are still knock-on effects and this idea of like we could save everybody but at a cost and just that ties into, but the, the energy portion of it ties into the climate change side of things too. So there's just, there's so much to, to glean from. And you kind of look at it going, well, at least it's not that bad in our world. You know, you kind of, right. as, as glum as that is to, is to say and to hear, I'm sure it's just, it, it does sort of give you a sense of proportion and perspective and, and just some, some good things to think about. Well, and what year was it published? Oh, I knew you'd ask that. I <laughs> think it was. Wait, I have my little uh, library thing pulled up. Give me just a second. By the way, great app to manage your library uh, is libbib.com, L-I-B-I-B.com. Um, it's free to use unless you're you know, doing some crazy stuff like a library. But I have all my comics, all my books, all my movies, oh, games, nice. everything in there. It's it's awesome. The app. That's a weird commercial for Libib. The app, you can just scan the barcode and it populates it, or you can you know, hand enter it. I just, it's fantastic for managing all the media. Came out in 2015. Okay, so, so yeah, it, it probably feels really current. But yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully removed enough, like it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not of this exact moment. So no, it's it definitely kind projects of a, a future kind of like, you know, I would imagine 2050, 2060, if if that, if not, you know, not the not the near future, but it's like you can see the world headed that way, given what we've got going on right now and just our, our interest in really expanding quantum computing and, and you know, saving people. Yeah, uh, well, that's cool. Um, and I also appreciate the Libib uh, endorsement because I use an app called My Library that's very much the same. Oh. You scan um, barcodes, but it's not. It doesn't. Uh, there's nothing. It's just very practical. You know, there's nothing that entices me to like get into it and check out what I've got in that library. So yeah, um, I like checking out you know new apps like that. Um, I did. I and I don't know that this is just in a a a. Uh, social distancing shut-in kind of way, but enacted this thing on my Kindle that I never have done before, which is uh, to set a monthly or like a yearly goal, and then it will count for you like how many days in a row you've read and how close you are to finishing that goal. I didn't so, know that was a thing on the Kindle. That's Where do you find that? Just in the settings? Oh, it's in the app. So oh, okay. I, I don't know that it's on like a paper white, but it's on, yeah, or paper. That's that's what it's called, right? Paper white? Yeah, paper white. Um, yeah, well, uh, my... Um, 
I, I'll, I'll throw two picks at you at once um, because they're they're correlated, I think. Uh, I have been trying to get into the show um, The Expanse on Amazon mm-hmm. for a while. Have you tried this out? Not at all. Well, Another new one. I um, – so – I, I guess the story is, and I don't even know the network, you know, it's like I've heard it before. Uh, so apologies if you're expecting like a completest version of this, but some network had it, canceled it, Amazon picked it up, made a new season. Um, and I've also heard people say, you know, in a, in a casual reviewer sense of like, ah, you got to kind of push through season one. And okay. then it's like all gets connected. So I've tried pushing through season one and it's, it's one of those shows where, um, it really walks that line between uh, like it's, you know, it's right on the edge of like how cheap can we make a sci-fi show <laughs> and okay. it still look good, oh, you know? great. Good. Um, so there are times where like, especially when you're watching like on Amazon Prime and you're on, you know, a, a laptop or tablet or something. It's not like I'm not I don't have a TV situation where I can watch these things in full 4K, um, but I can still see the like, oh, I wonder if that's like a cheap looking effect or but. Because it's my laptop, I think, no, 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 it's just my laptop, you know. Um, it's So it's sort of like, you know, it's almost like that sort of uh, BBC kind of sci-fi <laughs> setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is a story about, like, there are uh, humans on Earth and there are humans on Mars. And then there are belters who mine the asteroid belts, the asteroid belt between those two planets. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't really know how to describe any more of it because I have watched the first episode three times <laughs> and I've watched the second episode twice. Okay. Um, and I am just like, I'm trying to get in that, that uh, headspace of pushing through it. But Jared Harris is in it. Um, As and, what? uh, he's, uh, um, I want to say he's one of the belters, but he's like, he's got this crazy, like sort of South African accent and, uh, like this, you know, it, He's just a, a Jared Harris-esque character. Um, and uh, Thomas Jane is in it as sort of a hard-boiled, like, you know, film noir detective in the belt, you know, who's trying to find a missing person. Um, and so the story of uh, this, uh, these people that are out in, in space, at least in season one, who have been stranded and picked up by a Martian squad, uh, it, it ties into Thomas Jane's mystery and... I don't know how Jared Harris is. Uh, it's also one of those where I let it play for a while. And I remember getting into like episode four or five where Jared Harris shows up. And then I was like, where did he come from? And I had to go back to episode two to try to put it all together. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's such a that's such a mixed endorsement of it. But it does look good. And it has like acting chops like you don't expect in uh, in a show like that. Because I think it's easy to just dismiss it. And everyone who is into it swears like once it gets going, like it's awesome. Um, and it's very like a gritty, hard sci-fi thing. You know, this is not space fantasy. Um, it's nothing, you know, as cleaned up as Star Trek. Um, and it's also not as like, uh, myth mythical as like Star Wars. You know, this is like the grit and the grime, you know, people mining in space and, uh, very, you know, consequence driven hard sci-fi. Um, and then I'm looking, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry and it's, uh, the cast looks pretty stellar. You know, yeah. there's always, I always usually bristle against diversity for diversity's sake, but in this case, it looks very appropriate for like the story and the setting and everything. By the way, in addition to Jared Harris, freaking Lost alumni Elizabeth Mitchell is in this. That's 
interesting. And more importantly, one of my favorite actresses, who I don't think I've ever mentioned to you before, I'm going to butcher her name, Shoray Agdoshlu. Yes. Um, you may have you may have seen her in other you've probably seen her in many things. She's this Iranian um yes. Indian actress who's got a very deep kind of gravelly voice. And it's just yeah. it's really she's uh, she was in that terrible third X-Men movie sadly. I know her <laughs> mostly from um uh, the HBO miniseries House of Saddam. She plays Saddam Hussein's wife and she's amazing in it. By the way, sort of backdoor pitch for another show house of saddam is just unbelievably good in terms of the acting and the execution oh, but okay. she's in it she she's as good as as anybody in that but just to see her in this i this seems like a very interesting role for her too as soon as you started as soon as you said i'm gonna butcher her name i knew exactly who you're talking about in the show yeah like yeah. um yeah i um you know the last yeah, as name as soon as you hear her talk Shirley you're like Agdashlu. oh her but yeah Exactly. She's got the most distinct voice in other than like Clancy Jones the, of like anybody ever. It's crazy. Well, and it's it's especially watching this in parallel with devs. It's I don't you know, it's like I can't put my finger on those little things of like, yes, it's a cool way to tell a story where um, you're keeping certain information from the viewers that's going to get filled in later. But yeah. you've, you've, man, you've really got to get the timing and the effects and the look and everything. Like the pacing of that has to be so tightly controlled so that they're fully bought in by episode yeah. four or whenever it all comes together. And I think that's where the expanse season one is maybe lacking a little bit is because, yes, I've been introduced to all these characters and I'm still like, you know, you 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 mention her, and I'm like, I know exactly who she is, and I'm like, well, wait, what role does she actually play? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know, I know, I can see her in the show, but I'm like, but how is she connected to the person that? You know, that's where it it falls off the rails to me. Um, and then another backdoor pitch for um another Amazon show, uh, uh Carnival Row, uh, oh. which also has Jared Harris. And um, sorry, this wasn't on my list, but it's one of those two where I, I feel like it takes a few episodes to get where you get pulled in, but yeah. they do a really great job of the pacing and everything. And like, especially cause you're in this totally crazy fantasy world. That's like a mix up of sort of steampunk genres. And you know, that's sort of like a guy, Richie Sherlock Holmes plus uh, you know, pixies and fairies and um, uh, uh, what are they called? The pucks, what they call um, uh, sorry, my vocabulary slipped, but the um, satyrs oh, and yeah. uh, you know, living among like, you know, um, whatever, 19th Normies. century English yeah. people. Um, yeah, it, it was another one where, you know, it, you're thrust into this crazy world, but by episode three or four, you totally get it all, you know? And The Expanse, I think, just slips a little bit with that for season one. So I'm hoping that, like, if I just sort of get through it, you know, it'll, the next three seasons will be awesome. And then, I, so... Hey, quick question about Carnival Row. How does Cara Delevingne hold up because she's usually the weak link acting wise in a lot of the stuff she's in. I'm just curious if that's, I, I love her in it. Great. Like, I good. think she is so good. Um, and it, it's so, it's so hard to me. Cause I like, so I didn't even, you know, know of her in suicide squad when that came out. Um, and, then she was in that Valerian movie, which I think you have just got to say, like Luke Besson just pooched it with that. Like I, I to me, she's actually the strong link versus the her like, male. 
counterpart. Is that who that is? Dane DeHaan. Yeah. Yeah. That's he, he's the terrible in that movie. It's for, bad. For me, I mean, he's yeah. so flat and like, she doesn't have much uh, to react against. That's for sure. Exactly. But it's also like, but they're both just playing on green screens, you know, like yeah. they don't know what the hell is going on around them. So what a bizarre movie. <laughs> we should you know do I mean? a whole, we should do a whole, like just a DVD commentary for Valerian where we just watch it and just shit on it the whole time. <laughs> that would be like, I appreciate uh, yeah, that. Luke, I would like, absolutely do that. <laughs> I appreciate that. What's the director's name again? Luke, what? Basson? Uh, Luke Basson. Yeah. I appreciate that. He had a passion to make that thing. And, but it's like, there was, he, there was no Gary Kurtz there to tell him no, you know, it'd be like, Hey, you know, maybe we should make this for audiences and not just you, your DVD shelf. It's like unbelievably long. It's just <laughs> pointlessly bad. It's just like, everything is a single take. Like, that's it. Like, we don't want to do it again. Nope. <laughs> Moving well, on. Okay. I'll, I'll mention uh, when I actually uh, what I actually saw is like the the co-star to the Expanse pick is this other pick that uh, my friend Boris had told me about called Counterpart, which is on Amazon, which stars J.K. Simmons, and it's very much like a yes! current day yes! sci-fi take. So I don't know anything about this, um, but Boris pitched it as like, hey, if you're having trouble getting into the Expanse this might be more up your alley because you're not having to like wholesale learn a new world and everything. So that's on my playlist, but that's all I can say about it. I'm so glad you said that because I remember seeing the trailer for counterpart going, Oh my freaking God. But it was like a month away. And I hate, hate when people like give you previews or trailers for shit. That's not even in the market yet. I'm like, I'm not going to come back to this. Like you're asking me to write down on a sticky note somewhere that this will be coming. Just show me the trailer when it's available. Like that's all you got to do. So I remember seeing this going, I have to watch this. And then I forgot the name and I never remembered to go back. Oh, okay. So now, Oh my God, I'm definitely, and it uh, looks like is on my list. It looks like there's two seasons of yeah, 10 episodes. Yeah, season two just came out. Holy okay. crap. Okay, oh, so dude, maybe that's is... why it's sort of top of mind for people. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you? What's next on your your playlist? Well, hang on. I got I to gotta flag season one of <laughs> part to my watch list. Jesus. Uh, you've just, you've saved my week because now that I've been, I've there's it's been gnawing at me. I'm like, what was that show? But I could never oh, remember. Just kind of faded. All right. Uh, my next pick is, um, again, sticking with sort of the theme of what we're living in. You know, we got a lot of people who are uh, having to isolate themselves and, and uh, you know, kind of have to work together for the common good. Well, I've talked about this book many times, but I think what more appropriate series to get into than Postal? Um, oh, you know, yeah. It's a series about a town of criminals in Wyoming, isolated Wyoming, who have to adapt to their new environment and get along to survive. I'll give you the back of the book on this one, too, even though we've, we've talked about it in other episodes. Um, the townsfolk of Eden, Wyoming, uh, wake up to their first official murder the town has seen in 25 years. Their reaction to this isn't normal, and there's a reason for that. Eden operates as a haven for the fugitive criminals who remain here while new, while new identities, often including facial reconstruction, are created for them. Uh, it goes on from there. And there's like a zero tolerance policy for any illegal activity. So all the criminals have to be good. Otherwise, they get kicked out of the town. The town is kind of like a refuse. Like they're essentially it's almost like a witness uh, relocation program, but for criminals. And they're sent into this town. And they have to kind of live amongst each other. And there's sort of a, a very ironclad code that they all live under. The woman who's the mayor, her son is the is the uh, mailman. And he ha- he's like a high functioning sociopath like like Sherlock Holmes. And so he's got a lot of detective kind of qualities and a lot of it's him just solving mysteries and, and stuff. But at the same time, you get to learn the mythology of the town and how he, how important he is to it and how his mom might be lying about everything. There's, there's so much about <laughs> it is, is wonderful. It's it concluded and now they're in a they're doing a sequel series to it called Eden, 
which is about her son uh, after the the events of Postal. Postal itself went for, I think, eight trade paperback volumes, seven or eight. So it's a nice long series, but it, it, man, it looks and feels just like a TV show. Like you, it feels like you're looking at the actual storyboards for a a great HBO TV show or or stars TV show. So definitely it, it very, very easy read, very compelling read sucks you in, at least suck me in. Um, and it just, it really kind of shows you what, what's possible with people in, you know, closed quarters who, you know, really have to learn to live with each other given their past and just it's a nice sort of you know again it makes you go well at least it's not so bad where we're living it just kind of gives you that that (laughs) yeah who would know what it's like to have a sociopath in charge of your town um (laughs) the uh uh i'll tell you there's a great moment to um to pitch back to your fireside chats the one you did with daniel rojas where you he has not read postal and you pitch it to him and hearing yeah. his reaction in real time to your pitch was yeah. I, I thought it was so fun like I you could just hear, i could just picture his face like going like oh my god why have i slept on this like you know <laughs> so uh yeah that was a great moment in there it was one of my favorite <laughs> things to do because that guy is very well read and he's oh yeah like, he hosts all the book club events at uh, escape velocity shout out to escape velocity um but like he's very well read and so when I was able to finally say, have you heard of and have him not know it? And he and I have, a, you may have gleaned from that episode. We have a very similar sort of sensibility yeah. for things. So to see that sort of like kind of in the same way you just delivered devs to me, I kind of felt like I'm, I'm handing him this, this sort of, you know, this great secret that is now hopefully his favorite thing too. So it was, it was really fun. Yeah. It was like that, that whole chat I think is great. His, his, like the way his, his work comes into like his love of comics and his background, like his just family history. And that was really neat. Like it's, you know, it's, this is just a guy that works in yeah. the comic shop and just hearing all that. And it's, I love them. I could just, I just, it was so like such a great, like vicarious moment of he starts his job at this comic book shop and they literally hand him a list and they're like, start reading. <laughs> Get going. You know, if, you, if you don't like it, that's okay. But you need to have read this to talk to people who come in our store. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you've got to be this literate to, you know, to have this job. So he is, uh, he, I'm going to bring him back at some point because he goes Good. deep and hard on the, uh, on black science, which I know you've read too. I would love to have a, a, a three way, a three way with him, you and I talking about black science, because he will get into some, some things with black science that I, I think neither of us would have ever thought of them. Like, Oh my God. Honestly, I, that's a fantastic idea because listening to him talk about it made me want to finish it because right? yeah. as you know, like that, that comic has such a great, like, uh, uh, tangled history with us where I was really into it. This is like right when we started doing our podcast, I'm talking about it in every episode and you were kind of like, I can't get past the art. It's just that style is not like gripping me. And then I get several volumes into it and I'm like, Oh my God, when is like, they've got to have an end in sight. This has got to wrap up and I don't see it. And I just stopped reading. And that was like right around the time where you, you read one for a book club and then you're like, Oh, I'm in now. I got to read yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and part of that was just because of his, part of that was I had, I had sort of accustomed or attuned to the art more. Um, but most of it was just his passionate pitch for that series. Like he, he sees that in a way that I see, you know, he and I both agree about East of West, but like, I'm trying to think of another book that I love as much. Like he, like Black Monday Murders, like he sees, uh, he sees, uh, uh, Black Science, like I see Black Monday Murders, which is just, it's, it's like when you, when you find somebody who's that passionate about something and you weren't yet, you almost want to follow them down that rabbit hole to be like, what am I missing? Like, what, what have you seen that I haven't seen yet? Cause I gotta, I gotta know. Yeah, Anyway. exactly. 
Um, well, I've got a totally random uh, poll, which you uh, know about. Um, I have um, failed to do the minimal amount of research right now, and I can't even tell you what year this book was written. But um, I ha- have never read anything by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, and uh, started reading um, this novel that she wrote, which is part of her, this world she invented called Earthsea. And the very first one is A Wizard of Earthsea. I, I started reading that at the end of last year. And not that it was hard to push through, but I just have sort of like, I'm just not in a read words type of mood at all, ever. Yeah. Um, which is terrible because my job is reading and writing words all the time. And, you know, it's but it's that thing. That's what you do all day. It's hard to pick up a Kindle at night and read more words on a screen. Um, anyway, I've gotten through this book. I really enjoyed it. Um, so it must be from the sixties or something. Um, there's a great, uh, you know, letter from the author. I wouldn't really call it an epilogue that happens at the end of the book where she talks about the origins of this. And I read it, not understanding exactly that it had been written for young readers. I, I took everything in the, the tone of it as being sort of a tone of like, that's, that's a fantasy novel of the sixties, not necessarily like, you know, the, because so many young reader books now, um, are like full of slang and pop culture and stuff like that. So this just felt very much like reading the Hobbit or something. Um, but the contrasts with Tolkien, I thought were so fabulous. Like I just really loved it that it did not, it, it, it's it, you know it draws on traditional mythic um tra- like I'm sorry I said traditional there and what I'm gonna say like a mythical traditions certainly with wizards and and magic words and you know spells and things like that but it really does it does not have that uh emphasis on the like historical pantheons of all that that Tolkien did you know when Tolkien talks about elves he's like <laughs> done the research to like rescue the elves from the you know how they were once nordic and then they got sort of weakened when they went through whatever tradition and like you know he's he's yeah. saying like no i'm gonna place this back in their original tradition as the keepers of the woods and you know he, tolkien's got this whole like historical uh you know effort that he's doing on everything and Le Guin is just You know, and I guess in that way, like, I bet this really felt like fresh fantasy at the time. You know, the magic system is not a system that it's uh, uh, that we're familiar with. It's all about um, the true names of things. That's how all their magic works is that everything in the world has a true name. And once you know the true names of things, you can ask those things to do, you know, things for you that, that, that no one could expect you. You could tell a bird to fly down and land on your arm. You know, when you know its true name, you can have this tree bend over and give you shade when you know it's true, true name and things like that. And so it's just, you know, you're, it's like very fresh and like, Oh, I, wow. I, I'm not used to that. You know, I'm used to magic words and magic languages and like arcane language and um, you know, wands and, you know, sort of spells that look like lightning and stuff. And it was, it was just so, it was so easy going and it was also one of those things where I realized just by looking at the length of the book, like, oh, this thing that I thought was going to be a sort of side quest that wrapped up is actually that's the plot of the book. Like, we're just following this. Not not that it is an easy quest, but like it is just um, it, it, she's not assaulting you with like a million different roads that the characters are taking because y- you don't read it thinking 
oh, they're going to wrap that up in the next book or whatever. You know, that's that seems to be a very modern take on that. It's like there's never just one book. You know, the book comes out and the author's already pitching the trilogy or the (laughs) quintology or whatever. And even though she did go on to make this a series, it's very much like, hey, this is wrapped up. And that's the story of Ged, the wizard. And you're good. Like the, and and I I just I thoroughly enjoyed the book, and sat down to watch um, a series that's now available on Amazon, which I think was just a mini series. There's only two episodes called Earthsea, and I can give you a hearty negative recommendation on that. <laughs> like, no wait, I wasn't it longer than that because I remember that being on Sci-Fi. Oh, it was a mini series though. You're right. Wow, I could have swore that was because they promoted the hell out of that thing at the time. Oh I, really? I, I remember this. This was like uh, early 2000s. Yeah, 2004. Yeah, 2004. Um, and that was back when Sci-Fi did its miniseries month in April, which I loved. They would show like all those old Hallmark shows, like um, Merlin and uh, Gulliver's Travels and Tenth Kingdom and all that stuff. But like, um, they had a, they p- used that to pitch Earthsea. I remember that coming out. I didn't realize it was a miniseries, but man, they. I'm looking at it now. I just remember the the it looked. I mean, it probably suffered yeah. from TV of the early 2000s, which was still very cheaply made in well, a lot of in a yeah. Lot of the, and the, honestly, like the effects, networks. like. Having recently rewatched most of Excalibur from 81 or whatever that movie is from, Mm -hmm. you know, it has those it has this corny CGI that looks like the practical effects of, you know, 30 years earlier or what, 20 years earlier. So, you you know, it just felt like, oh, boy, what a what a swing and a miss. But so I would stay away from that. (laughs) <laughs> What's crazy to think about is that we're almost 20 years from when it came out. I know, I know. That's and, so bizarre to think about. But it and it and you know honestly the crazy thing about it too is that like I bet if this was a sci-fi channel I didn't know that um that this was right when the Lord of the Rings was ending the trilogy. Yeah, true. So it's phenomenal to think that like Lord of the Rings was 2001 to 2003. Yep. 1 2 3. Um and Still holds up, still fantastic, you know, and I can see someone going, oh, we should adapt this other, you know, literary series from the 60s of like classic fantasy and then really just pooching it like it's just not. not I wonder, though, given everybody's race to adapt all properties, I wonder if it's I wonder if somebody doesn't already have it for another another go, because it just seems like there's dragons in it. Right. That seems like that would be a yeah, a thing that people would want to adapt for their new streaming service. And also in the book, like it's, there's a great feeling of like how the, how, you know, this is not a dragon you've seen before, you know, not only is it not, um, Smaug, it's not, uh, you know, like a King Arthur kind of dragon or anything like that. Like the, the dragons in the book are just like, it's what a cool fantasy take on dragons, you know, like a, a, they're fearsome, but a wizard knows their true names and this wizard can speak to them with their true name oh and have God. a conversation with them, you know, hold the presses. So uh, this is worth this is worth note this is worth noting. Uh Studio Ghibli did the Tales from Earthsea as a well, animated movie. Oh I wondered God. about that. So I did see that that's on on Amazon. I don't think it's on Prime, but you can you can rent or buy this series. So I, I didn't notice it was Studio Ghibli. That's awesome. Yeah, it looks beautiful. I'm looking at the pictures because I just typed in uh Earthsea Dragon and you can see it, but yeah. it's the Studio Ghibli. It wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, is, All right. now, is it not Studio Ghibli? Because that's no, this, it's Ghibli's my cat. Uh, Ghibli is the actual. It's a. It's. It, I don't know if that's a hard G or a soft G, but yeah, it's that's. I I'm I'm sticking with hard G's everywhere because otherwise this will cause people to mispronounce gifs. Uh, <laughs> eh, which is correct. <laughs> GIFs. I heard that the other day. Somebody was like, "Get get send me a GIF." I was like, "Really?" 
Really? Well, I'm not. I mean, the the wizard in Earthsea is named Ged. I'm not calling well, him Jed. It starts with a G. It's Ged. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. What what is your next pick? Uh, my next pick. Um, you know, I'll say I have a I have a non-serious one. I'll say for the end. So my next one. Again, I'm assuming people are going to have a lot of time on their hands over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> and 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 if you've always wanted to delve a little deeper into comics and especially those books that are a little more challenging or require more time and concentration, this is the time to read material by Ailish I can never pronounce his name, Ailish Cott, um, which came out on Image eh, about five years ago. I've talked about it a little bit here and there. It's a limited series. The trade paperback is out. Um, and the I highly recommend collecting the individual issues. Their covers are fantastic. Very different, interesting graphic art on each of the covers. But the uh, the blog line for this one is, America is unwinding. The world is undergoing massive changes. Material is a journey through what it means to be alive today. And it follows five or six different characters. Kind of a lot like, reminded me a lot of the uh, the movie Crash just with like kind of these characters, you know, you, you watch them and sort of they, they, they intertwine, but they don't. And you kind of get this, this sort of thematic sense of all their lives in, in one, one sitting. And, um, there's a, you know, a college professor who's grappling with what it means to be human and an AI is, has found him out and is starting to talk to him. There's somebody, there's an actress in Hollywood. There's, um, you know, so I think there's a divorced woman who's dealing with that. So there's all these people dealing with different problems in their own different ways. And thematically, it's just beautifully woven together. It feels much more literary than a, a normal comic would. Um, and Ailish Cott is, is great at giving a lot of um, references to what he's thinking about while he's writing, kind of like mm-hmm. Alan Moore. So in the and the footers of all of the pages are like different things that he was either referencing in the text or, Hey, I was inspired because I saw this crazy French film from the, you know, the fifties the about existentialism. And I you know, he put that in there. So it's just, it's, it's all over the place. It gives you more to, to think about and read. And it's one of those books I've read it twice and I'm still not totally sure I can grasp what it, you know, what it's really telling me. There's just, there's a lot of ways you can interpret it and take it. And so I, I would say given the, again, given what we're living through right now and just the need to think about life in a different way and, and really, um, you know, use the comp, you know, the medium of comics to, to, to refine that point of view. I think the material, uh, is, is a good one to look at. That's my third. Pick. Very cool. Um, <laughs> sorry for that unneeded sound effect. If you heard it. That's but that right. was me on the Image Comics site looking at material. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, and and just visiting the Image Comics site, of course, made me uh, like like start drooling over new comics that are out. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know how you've already picked up so much over the last several weeks. It's I it's we're... it's terrible. But the well, um, uh, but no, now you've given me one more to look at. So material, I I don't know that you've ever mentioned that on the you know, on the show before. Oh, maybe um, not. Hmm. And, uh, and I, I'm sorry if it's slipped my attention, but that I was like, Oh, here, here goes another one, you know? Yeah. Um, boy, I mean, just the world in which I have enough time to read everything that I, you know, I, I find as well as what people recommend to me is mm-hmm. that would be what a world. Um, uh, by yeah, the way, the, I, I just went to imagecomics.com and Holy shit. Jonathan Hickman has got another brand new series that he's just launching. God. What, oh my God, like a, really? I, I hadn't gone to the whole page. I just searched in. Decorum um, number one just came out. Like, okay. where, where does he find the time? Oh, anyway. Well, I mean, honestly, like, I, you know, we are, li- we are living in this golden age of comic books. And 
uh, yeah, we should probably just turn our attention straight to comic books because there's everything on the Image Comics homepage in their news section I think is worth talking about. This looks um, amazing, by the way. I'm, gonna, I'm a, marking this for another episode of panel. Decorum by Jonathan Hickman. I will probably talk about it soon. Holy crap. Let's, let's do a image catch up soon because uh, yeah. I, I've I've got other things there that I did not put on the on the, the stay at home playlist. Um, yeah. Did, did you want me to hit you with with another pick? Or, yeah, do it. Um, OK, your, your turn. Uh, I, my the, uh, this is not not fresh. Um, but it is another show that I have never caught up on. And I'm curious to know if you have, which is, uh, so I'm like on episode three of Legion right now. Oh, I've seen a few of those episodes. Oh, okay. So that makes it sound to me like it was not a show that you just, uh, you know, insatiably gobbled up, but you Um, did get into it. I, you know, I appreciate what it's doing. Yeah. I just, I, it's one of those series that I'm like, you know, there's going to be a weekend where I, I'm just going to watch them all. And it's just going to yeah. hit me at the right time. And I'm kind of, I've kind of been saving it for that yeah. moment. And you know, honestly, that that's what inspired this episode of our show. And that's yeah. why it's on my list is because I had been doing the very same thing. It very much like the expanse. I had watched the first episode and then when I, you know, went too long before I watched the second one, I went back to watch the first one again, didn't understand it. So now I feel like I'm kind of caught up and I'm, you know, three episodes in and I'm like, okay, yeah, let me keep, let me keep watching this. Um, it's been because of the way it plays with time and memory and what's real to the, um, the main character. Uh, it's hard for me to binge, um, in that binging sense of like, I'm, I'm kind of doing other things while it's on, you know, yeah. it's sort of like, you've got to concentrate and I find I can only concentrate on it for about one episode, you know? Okay. Um, so that I, I I'm curious what other people think, um, especially cause back when it first came out, everyone recommended it to me and I just, I just, I don't even remember what the deal was at the time. If they were watching it on broadcast TV and I just didn't have it and said, I'll wait for it to, you know, hit Hulu or Netflix and, but now it's out and there's no excuse. And so I'm, I'm getting through it. Have you gotten to any of the dance sequences yet? Because I've, no, from what I've so. witnessed, there's a couple episodes have some just crazy, you know, psychedelic dance sequences that are just, you know, that the, the whole idea is that what's the, oh, what's his, what's Charles, son's name, the main character. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> the, no, the guy, the main guy, the guy, the guy who's the, no, I mean, I have no idea. Oh, I you mean, haven't watched it. Oh, I, I, no, I have. I just don't remember his name. That's <laughs> right. Um, hang on, hang on. David, 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 thank you. David has these sort of, um, uh, Odyssey of the mind experiences with, you know, other uh, Farouk or whoever the, the, the other, you know, the, the devil character is. And like he had, the, he's kind of shown these things and sometimes they manifest as dance sequences and they get really, they get really interesting. So that's, isn't it? Oh, you know what? Jermaine Clement is Farouk, right? Am I, am I making all I this I have not gotten to any episode with Jermaine Clement for sure. Hang so, on. I, gotta, I just gotta I, make sure I don't mispronounce the name of the, yeah, he's in it. But what does he play? He plays... Uh, great 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 radio here uh, yeah 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 no i'm doing the same thing i'm like uh on on hulu looking for it but um he's oliver bird but he plays i I may have spoiled that too he's oliver bird on legion so whatever that turns into go go on and but but yeah Yeah. he's he's one of those actors that you it took me i I haven't rewatched men in black three uh, but I didn't realize he was the main alien bad guy in Men in Black 3 for the longest, like for years. Someone's like, well, we we're talking about Flight of the Conquerors, a friend and I, and he's like, well, you know, he's in Men in Black. I was like, wait, as what? And I had to go back and rewatch it. The, uh, the guy with the beard and the glasses, like the biker bar looking guy who's the main bad guy, that's Jermaine Clement too. Just huh. sort of blends into all these roles. It's interesting. I, uh, yeah, I, I, well, I, 
I've never seen Men in Black 3. Is that not Nor the one? Nor should you. Tessa should Thompson? You. No, right. that's the newer one. This is the one that had that took him like five years to make for some bizarre reason. And it's like Tommy Lee Jones is barely in it because uh, Josh Brolin plays a younger Tommy Lee Jones. And it's just, it's Boy. not, it's not a good. Wow. Is, yeah. Wow. Well, um, you said you had a, a somewhat goofy pick for your last pick. I'm well, I have, you know, I had three, the that. yeah, I had three very <laughs> serious, you know, kind of picks that I, but I'm like, you know, I need one that's, if you're just in the mood to just completely blank out and just laugh and not pay attention to any of this stuff, I highly recommend, uh, it's not exactly a graphic novel, but it is because it's a collection of web comics, five very good reasons to punch a dolphin in the mouth and other useful guides <laughs> By Matthew Inman of The Oatmeal, if oh, you nice. uh, remember The Oatmeal. That used to be a lot bigger than – I think it's – you know, there, there was a time where The Oatmeal was like one of the most popular things on the internet. You know, those, the individual uh, web comics yeah. were shared quite a lot. And then Matthew Inman really parlayed that into an interesting little empire for himself. And this oh, is yeah. one of the first – I think he's put out a bunch of different books of collections of things. But this one – this one's my favorite. I got it as a gift uh, for a birthday a couple of years ago. And I just oh, – every cool. time I'm feeling like uh, – just where you don't want to think – too hard yeah. about anything, but you want something a little witty and just, just fun. This is a, this is a good one. That's cool. I, I um, I, you know, the, his empire has turned into a gaming empire. Which has means, it? I haven't kept up. Yes. Oh yes. It's he's behind exploding kittens and Whoa. has this whole gaming, uh, company that made exploding kittens and you've got crabs and throw, throw burrito and I uh, have no idea. bears That's... versus babies. These are all like amazing games. Babies. Yeah. <laughs> I would hardly recommend uh, all of those, but Burrito, which I've not played. I like all of them. They're very fun. I, I do no wonder idea. what's going to – they've actually got a convention happening, um, uh, Burning Cat, um, and I'm wondering if it's going to have to get canceled. It's happening in Portland in a couple months, and it's a, it's like an unplug and just play stupid tabletop games with your friends kind of weekend. Nice. Uh, so I wonder, I wonder how what's you know the consequence of that will be. But I've got another uh, late comer to add to the list, which is Nightly News, um, which you were very generous to send me a copy of. Um, uh, I don't, you know, there was a there was a store closing, and um, you wisely grabbed a whole bunch of like <laughs> books there. Yeah. Um, but I got that this week, and I'm excited to jump into that as well. So. Oh, I can't wait for you to both read it and then talk to me about it because it's yeah, one of those I, books that it, it I think it fits a lot of the stuff that you and I mutually like. It, it really satisfies all that. But it again, much like um, Arcadia, it, this is a great time to read a book like Nightly News. It's just it's very apropos to the current climate, you know, the, the distrust of the media, um, some you know crazy fringe people acting on their own accord. Like there's just a lot of it that goes. Yeah. I could see this playing out and it's the very first Jonathan Hickman thing ever. Um, he wrote it, you know, illustrated it. Uh, and just, it's got that crazy, I shouldn't call it crazy. Is that the right word? It's got that very interesting looking, um, art form where he took like photo references and then drew, yeah. uh, which I, you know, some people don't like, I think it's fine. It works perfectly fine, especially in this context when he weaves in all the uh, infographics and everything. It just, yeah. it was, it was a book that I picked up um, my first trip to Portland comic shops and just, it was like one of those finds that you just sort of covet forever. Like the, I remember the day when I first picked up this book and where I was and just yeah. kind of had that, that feel to it for me. So I'm glad you now own it too. Yeah. I, and I'm excited to read it. I've got, um, you know, like we've, we've been saying this for a long time, but definitely I think we kicked off the year saying like, I, I could not buy anything this year and still have enough to read every week yeah. for the I rest was, of the year. So I was joking with somebody. It seems like, you know, 
the one the one silver lining in this in this coronavirus situation is that people do have time <laughs> to go back and yeah. you know, work work on their Netflix queues, work on their their to be read piles, and just hopefully put a yeah. get a little bit more more stuff uh, you know well, gone and through. I, I'll Losing tell you. Food. Uh, I went to uh, a nature preserve earlier this morning um, to take a walk, and it was packed. I have wow. never been there where the entire parking lot is full and it's like overflowing onto the streets. And it, and I'm I'm just walking around like you know this is terrible. And there's like a, a a part of me that's that's like you know a little worried about coming into close contact with people even out here you know just in nature. But I was like, what a beautiful thing! Like this mm-hmm. is just like all of these people would be in some other indoor social, you know, space doing some sort of commerce or, you know, like social transaction. And they're just all out here in nature, tons of kids, people riding horses, you know, like joggers, bikers, like just a bunch of couples walking. I was like, wow, this is amazing. That's beautiful. I love hearing. Yeah. It was like really, it was really, really beautiful. And it's a beautiful day in Southern California today. And, uh, you know, sun's out and we've had it, we've had several days of rain. So that's unusual, uh, that we've, we've had that rain and, you know, now it's like, oh, wow. It's just like, everyone's out in nature. Um, so that, yeah, you know, there's a bright side. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I mean, that's a positive note. We should probably end on a positive note. Um, did you have anything else? Any other picks? No, no, no. That's, uh, I, I, I think this gives, gives everybody a good start. And if you've watched it or read any of these things that we've mentioned, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and the best place to chat back at us is on our Instagram, which is panelism.inc. The dot is in the name and it's I N K. And that's also our website handle where you can find all of our podcasts and links where you can subscribe, um, or everywhere the podcasts are downloaded, um, except Spotify. We're just boycotting that because of that last podcast on the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're a fan of last podcast on the left, like we are, like they're exclusive to Spotify now and it's as disruptive Former as COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the real news, man. LPOTL, they pulled their library from every other feed. So it's like, oh, you have to use Spotify and you have to use the Spotify crappy podcast player, which, you know, if that's all you got, fine, but there's better uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a rant there's here. That I there's definitely a, a tectibus airing of grievances in our future because I've got so many <laughs> issues with tech companies and stuff. Maybe after Devs wraps up and uh, we cover some cool comic books, we can get back to that. Yeah, maybe. You know, that's interesting. We should do, we we've done that before once, and it was kind of it was very uh, cathartic. Maybe we should try it again. I yeah. forget which episode that was. That was back during the Todd and Way Taylor show back. days. Yeah, um, we were not, not as focused. Bit- so us just bitching about tech for like uh, 45 minutes. It was kind of funny. Yeah, no, no, was, I thing. remember being, it was informative, but it was just very much like, oh, these guys are, <laughs> have a very particular point of view about stuff. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we deal in all day. But um, thank goodness we have all the shows we want to watch right now. That's right. <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. It's been fun. Glad, glad to have you back in the in the studio, sir. Thank you.